It's green for go. They're racing. He says go. He says Tara. And Tiger Tara rolls away from them on the home turn. Here comes another big boil over. Equine athleticism at its best. The king is in the castle once more. This is in one race. The rest are almost in another post. She is a star with a capital S. It's going to be a triple treat. A miracle three-peat. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed history here at Menangle. What about that? It's getting right up on the sprint lane and it's going to bolt in. Hello and welcome to the Sunday session as part of the Sprint Lane podcast series. My name is Greg Hayes and it is great to have your company wherever you are listening to today's podcast. Only a couple of weeks away from Christmas and while most people are getting wrapped up in the Christmas spirit in harness racing, it is all about the Inter-Dominion buzz with the grand final set to be run at Albion Park next week. Now obviously I base this show on what's happening in New South Wales and Club Menangle on a Saturday night and we will do that as per usual but I want to speak to a couple of New South Wales participants who are in the middle of inter-Dominion campaigns. Trainer Grant Forrest qualified the best bourbon for the Trotters final after three strong heat runs. Grant concentrates on the Trotters as a rule. He does have some paces in the stable, but the majority of the square gators. I thought it might be a good chance to have a chat to Grant, congratulate him on his effort, see how his mare's going and find out a little bit more about him. Kerry-Ann Morris, the uh, stable, has qualified two runners for next week's Inter-Dominion Paces final. Husband Robbie will have the pick of the drives after the barrier draw on Monday. And I thought it would be nice to catch up with Robbie and have a chat to him about Canina Provolima and Pete Sedso, who have done the State of New South Wales proud throughout the series. There's no doubt you'll hear interviews with Cam Hart, Jason Grimson, Jack Trainer this week talking about Swayze and Narano in regards to the leading chances from the state, but I thought it was worth covering off some of the other New South Wales competitors this week on the podcast. Just in passing, great job by David Thorne with Our Money Rocks, getting him through to the final as well next week. I'll look at Menangle from last night as well. Extreme C couldn't have been more impressive winning, and his driver, Brad Hewitt, will join me to have a chat about him. Extreme C has a big, booming finish on him. He looks a serious horse going forward. It was the first of Brad's two winners with Typo taking out the Brian Hancock free-for-all. Um, we'll have a chat to Brad about that as well. Blake Fitzpatrick's going to join me. He brought up 900 career training winners when Libby Lou won last night in the two-year-old Phillies Eastern Region Breeders Challenge. Uh, Blake was known as a freelance driver in the early part of his career but blossomed into the complete package and to bring up 900 training wins was a huge milestone, so we'll catch up with him today. You know how I like to catch up with first-time winners on the show. I've spoken with Talia Johnson, Ned Woodhouse, recently about their first wins. Well, Trent Pillen enjoyed his first victory at Young on Tuesday night with a two-year-old filly called Miss Ardlethan. The Pillen name is well-known in harness racing circles, so I'll catch up with Trent on the show to have a chat about the win and also his involvement in the sport of harness racing. Big show. Lot to get through. We've got fantasy harness racing. We've got an update for that. Surprisingly, Mr. T's back to challenge me after I tipped a big winner this week, which gives me a huge lead. But Mr. T will try and close the gap this week. And the Menangle Express is back again, and I'll have a look at every race at Club Menangle last night, and I'll tell you what I saw. Let's get started. 
and with 4.50 metres left to go, Libby lose the leader. Bettina's trying to hang tough. Then came Lover Recious, a lot of loving, and Amazing Grace about to come to the outside. 28.5 the split. First into the lane is Libby Lou. Leads out by four metres. On in second, Posse trying to get out after it. Lover Recious, Bettine, Amazing Grace from a long way back. Mirador last, but the leader, Libby Lou, below the 150. In second spot at the moment, Lover Recious. Down the outside, finishing on resolutely is the roughy amazing grace, but in the end, it's an easy one. Libby Lou, she bolts in, beats Lover Recious. Good night at the office for Blake Fitzpatrick last night with a pretty smart little filly doing her thing, you know, taking out the Eastern Region Breeders Challenge. And Blake Fitzpatrick is joining me to have a chat about Libby Lou. Good morning, Blake. How are you? Yeah, no, terrific. Thanks for having me on, Greg. No problems at all. Good performance last night. Yeah, no, I was really happy with her. She's really. Uh, taken that next step over the last three or four weeks. And, yeah, last night I think they went 152, which was the quickest time of the year. And, yeah, she's just a filly that just improves racing. Take us through the race last night. Um, got cross for speed in the early stages, but you weren't going to get caught in a pocket there. You were pretty keen to, to get off and around them and, and get to the top. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. Um, she's a filly last night. I just didn't want to have any bad luck with her. And, Wanted to make the most of a good draw and she began well, but Loverishes just began that little bit quicker and was able to get across me early. So, yeah, as soon as she got across me, I thought she might want to take cover. So I was keen to get away from the fence and get around to the front where I could control the race. Once you found the top, she relaxed pretty well? Yeah, she was beautiful. She was a little bit lazy in front and wanting to stargaze and look around. But, yeah, she, she travelled well and um, once I got the plugs out and... Yeah, she really, really found the line. Is she a filly that has developed through the season? She looked to have some ability when she first started. She um, went, she ran fourth in the um, in the APG final, got herself twenty grand in the bank. Like she's she's done a good job from the start of her career, but has she developed more later in the season? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, she's definitely improved with racing, and just early on in her career, she well, from day one, she's always shown good ability and and high speed but she just can be a little bit highly strung and a little bit silly at times and then first probably three or four starts she just wanted to over race and do things wrong but yeah as, as she had more experience and she matured a little bit mentally she's a much better racehorse now greg and she's settling in her races and yeah i can i can drive her properly and it's making a big difference with that and a training one for Jackie Gibson. It's always nice for uh, for good owners to, to win nice races. Yeah, terrific. Jackie's, um, uh, as we know, a very successful breeder and has played a, a huge part in this industry. So, yeah, to train for someone like her is um, yeah, a privilege, really. What happens now with Libby Lou? Well, she'll just go for a break now. Probably have to decide with Jackie how long we give her off because she's there's quite a few good races for her uh, as a three-year-old next year. So she'll head back to Success Stud tomorrow. And at this stage, we're un- unsure how long she'll have off because she's paid up for races like the, at Bathurst and the APG three-year-old race. So, yeah, um, we'll make a decision over the next week. That's um, what we're doing with her. Do you think she'll make an Oaks filly? I think, uh, yeah, I think she may. She's... Especially the way she's racing now, and the fact that she's relaxing, and um, she's always got that really high speed, Greg, which will take her a long way. So, um, 
yeah, I, I don't think she'd be out of place in a race like that, no. And interesting, she she seemed to she she put the writing on the wall really for this series when she performed so well in the Breeders Challenge main final and ran third off that really wide draw. Yeah, definitely. I think that was the race that we thought of that or showed showed us that she's really made significant improvement really because she drew the outside of the front. I was a long way back and I think they went one forty nine eight that day and yeah, she was one of the very few fillies that was actually making ground. So um yeah, I think that day showed myself and Jackie that, yeah, she's a really nice filly. Mate, uh, just a couple of uh, runners from the stable last night. Stingray Tara, you would have been happy, uh, finished third? Yeah, happy with him. He's really consistent horse, um, lovely horse to train. His last five or six runs has been really good. He's just a horse that doesn't have any early speed, so he, he relies on luck in running a little bit, but... Yeah, I'm sure a win for him won't be too far away. Uh, well, he's a rock star. What did you make of him? Yeah, he went well. He He's obviously in a hard grade now. He's in the free-for-all last night, and he didn't have a lot of room late. Um, yeah, but he's, he's a horse also that's going well, just similar to Stingray Tara, just relies on getting the right trip. But, yeah, I'm sure um, he's, he's very consistent and always around the mark. You drove one for Dean Atkinson that got the right trip. Major Allegiance did a really good job to finish third. Yeah, he's similar to Libby Lou. He's improved in racing throughout the year. And, um, yeah, he's, he's had a good three-year-old season. I'm sure he'll come back with a nice three-year-old. Mate, I, I noticed last night there was a, an inst- a, a Twitter post that went up. that it, Was it your 900th winner with Libby Lou? Yeah, I think it was a um, 900 training win. So, yeah, I wasn't aware of that at the time. But, yeah, it's, um, uh, Really, really, really proud of the stable, and the last probably five or six years have been terrific. Mate, that's a that's a huge achieve, achievement. Nine hundred training wins. Like early on in your career, you were you were a very you know a freelance driver, and um, the training side has come on later in your career. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the first probably half of my career, I was only freelance driving, and um, yeah, as you said, it, it, it takes takes time to build a stable, and um, yeah, hopefully now we can. Go on with it and see the um see the reward from it. Well, mate, congratulations with the win with Libby Lou last night, and all the best of luck. No, thanks very much, Jack. Craftsman's Charlie led the way, second at the moment as they near the corner is Captain Richie Model Barno, Extreme C, leaders travelling strongly and goes 27-7, tries to break their heart as heads were turned for home, kicks away, Craftsman's Charlie, out after it is Model Barno, trying to wind up right down the outside is Extreme C, it's out after Craftsman's Charlie, it's Craftsman's Charlie, Extreme C is finishing brilliantly, centre of the track, storms down the outside Extreme C and is going to win it, this is a very promising horse. Extreme C, too good. Beats Craftsman's Charlie. Model Barno, Captain Richie Mufasa Bart. Fair bit to talk about with Brad Hewitt this morning after a good night at Menangle last night. Typo winning and he also uh, drived Extreme C to victory in one of the uh, Breeders' Challenge finals. Brad's joining me. Good morning, Brad. Morning, Greg. Mate, um, let's talk about the three-year-old that you drove first. Um, Extreme C, what did you make of him? He was very impressive. Yeah, he went super. Greg, um, yeah, he's always had a lot of ability, but yeah, Dad's done a good job to get him to where he is. He's yeah, just been a handful ever since word go, but um, he's 
slowly starting to put it all together and you know, seeing what he could do yeah, last night and even the start before was a really good run too. The start before he came from absolutely nowhere. He, he he wasn't even in the call and all of a sudden he just sprouted wings late. He he, he obviously has very high speed. Yeah, no, he does, mate. And um, the beauty about him is he can just sustain it too. Like, that's just the difference between them them top horses and that is they can just hold their that sprint for longer and like you've seen even last night at the end of going 150 like you're still just strong as anything through the line and like I took off at the 800 I think so yeah, he's pretty much sustained a, an 800 metre run and was still just yeah, powering through the line. Watching him like when you got to the centre of the track last night you, you gave him a, a couple of um, flicks with the whip but then you roared at him and he just seems to find another gear. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, I think it was the second start he learned up, he was just going to win, and um, yeah, he got up outside the, the leaders, and I think it was just them whipping and yelling in his ear, and it just scared him, and yeah, he just went sideways and, and galloped, but um, yeah, he sort of done that all, just even in track work, he can do things wrong and do silly things like that, but um, yeah, I sort of knew he was going to round him up even yeah, 200 out, so I didn't have to touch him with the whip, and yeah, he just done the rest himself. So, what's the plans with him now? Uh, yeah, he'll he'll go for a spell now, and um, yeah, bring him back to the uh, regional championship. I think that it's in April from memory, but um, yeah, he'll just go to the paddock for now, and yeah, that'll probably be the first target for him anyway. While we're speaking about three-year-olds, what's the latest with Captain's Knot? Oh, yeah, he's been back in uh, yeah a fortnight or yeah, close to it, so yeah, it's good to have him back in too. And is the you know what sort of races are we expecting to see him when he when he does get back to the track? Um, yeah, well, just first thing is going to be his current fire. Hopefully, have a a lead up run or two before that. Um, obviously, got the the heaps for it, the power face and the Honda Gratton, but yeah, hopefully have another start before that, ideally, and um, yeah, that, that'll be the first target for him anyway. And have you worked out, have you mapped out a long-term campaign? Have you have you had any um, chats with people about possibly getting a start in a race like the Eureka? No, not, uh, nothing in that regard, but um, yeah, obviously have the chariots and he'll more than likely go to Brisbane for um, hopefully Gary and Rising Sun and then yeah, then got the Eureka later in the year, everything going well. Could be a big uh, could be a big year for him. Now Typo, um, got a deserved win last night, was able to get to the front and then you're able to uh, set your own speed. Yeah, I was just yeah, really happy for that old horse. He's been running really good races, like and then country cups and just having no luck whatsoever. Like he's drawn the back line, obviously, and we're expecting that with his um, he's put up over a hundred graders, so we know he's going to draw the back line. And um, but yeah, he's been doing it tough and hadn't been far away at all. And yeah, just happy that something went right for him last night, and yeah, he really deserved that win. Twenty nine seven, second quarter, you're able to to back it off and and get a nice little breather there after burning a little bit at the start. Yeah, it was just yeah, the right race for him. Um, yeah, just found the lead without doing, having to do a whole lot of work. And then, yeah, it got a bit easy through the middle. And 
he kept playing really good. Just um, yeah, I wanted to get going half around the corner because I actually didn't know where Max Vinci was. I didn't know how far back he was, but yeah, watched the replay and yeah, he's gone enormous again. He's he's flying that horse. Yeah, for sure and certain. What are, what are you going to do with Typo? Um, probably go to uh, Bathurst and on Boxing Day. It's another fifty thousand dollar race. So a good race for him, and uh, yeah, whether whether or not we go to these other country cups, or um, you might even go down to um, Victoria for a couple of them, them country cups down there. I just have to wait and see and yeah, make a bit of a plan. Well, mate, the team's rolling extremely well. Your dad's team's going well. Your brother's team's are going well as well. It's it's the Hewitts are having a very good run at the moment. Yeah, just um, lucky and happy to have. Like, yeah, a few quality horses around us, and yeah, um, got the team going really good, and team got a, a winner at Penrith the other night too. So yeah, it just makes it a lot easier when you got a, horses with a bit of ability around you. Do you all work in together, or is it all separate? Uh, no, I've got um, out at uh, our place and um, grandparents' old place. He took, he took over that when. And they died and it got sold and then me and Dad have sort of got uh, yeah, always between 24 and 28 horses in work between us and yeah, seeing he sort of only has a handful of race ones and does a lot of breaking in for everyone. So, um, yeah, how it all worked out. Well, mate, congratulations with the two winners last night. Both super impressive. Good luck going forward. Good on you, Hazy. Thanks, mate. Time for the Menangle Express, race one. Favourite for the race was one for the roadie. He was forced to work pretty hard in the early stages of the race as Arden's ace went to the pegs and then released Boom, who eventually allowed the favourite to get to the front. They went through a lead time of 48.3. If you break that down, it's pretty quick. It equates to running the same speed as a horse would if they were running a quarter in 27.6. So over the 700 metres, it took a bit of petrol out of the tank. Normally, we see them stay in single file until the back straight, but this time around, Double Encounter came away from the inside as it went past the post the first time, which forced the hand of a few drivers, including Will Rickson on Western Style and Darren Binskin on Joni N, who moved away from the fence and started the running line. First quarter was only slow, 32-2, but from then on it quickened up. 29-6 through the second, 27-6 to the turn. Double encounter made its move, swinging the corner and had clear air where a few of the others had not much room to move. Double encounter went on to win pretty comfortably in the end. Good effort. He finally got the luck in some races. Joni N ran second. It was a good drive from Binskin. Stingray Tara finished third after trailing up on the winner throughout. Now the unlucky ones. Arden's ace got a no clear run at all. Boom and Fear Cruising were untested in the straight. They should be forgiven. The fave was in trouble. One for the roadie on the turn. And to make matters worse, Josh Gallagher copped a $100 fine for the slow speed set through the first quarter. So that's race one. Let's have a look at race number two. I'm in trouble. Started favourite in the race. And punters would have been on pretty good terms with themselves when he was able to find the lead in the early stages as he raced past Constantina to roll to the top. Surprisingly, this one was uh, this was one race over the 2300 where they didn't go single file because Foxy Data got caught off the mark of pegs and horses were pretty quick to jump into uh, to follow him. Firstly, uh, my ultimate Carter, then Major Major and Ryan's Gangster. They stayed in pretty much the same formation right until they hit the straight the final time. The lead time was 49.5. Then they went quarters of 30.1, 29.2. So it was slow enough for the leader. 27.8 was the third quarter. Will Rickson tried to kick away on I'm in trouble and he did set up a handy lead, but halfway up the straight, 
his margin started to get smaller and smaller as Major Major gained momentum. I think we'll might like that one back again because had he sat tight for another 50 or 60 metres, he may well have held on. Big effort for or from the winner for Trainer and Grimson. Zambia locked wheels in the straight but wasn't going to be in the finish. Ryan's gangster. He's starting to become a bit of a fave of mine. He's racing okay. He got dropped off the back of the eventual winner turning for home, but he was okay up the straight once he built some momentum. Nice drive on our Uncle Jim by Leighton Green to finish in third. Race three and Montalbano was the narrow favourite in front of Extreme Sea. It was the first of the Eastern Region Breeders' Challenge finals and they flew off the arm. They didn't come up for air until they had well and truly hit the first quarter mark. Craftsman's Charlie began well. Montalbano came up looking for the lead and couldn't get it, so Will Rickson had to grab hold and take the spot behind Craftsman's Charlie and Josh Gallagher. 25-8 through the first quarter, and all of a sudden, you were looking for horses back in the field. Soon after passing the 800-metre mark, Lockenvar Lorenzo started to tire in the chair, so Captain Richie in extreme C ducked around the tiring horse. 29-4, 27-7 through the middle half, and Craftsman Charlie looked to be travelling into the straight. Extreme C got to the outside, and Brad Hewitt asked the three-year-old to lengthen. I watched the replay a few times. There were a few flicks of the whip and a bit of yelling, but once he hit top gear, he basically did it all by himself. It was a pretty impressive finishing burst as he ran past uh, Craftsman's Charlie, while Montalbano finished third. None of the beaten runners had any excuses. Big win. Home in 27-1 for a 150 win. Don't the Hewitts have some nice three-year-olds, whether it be Brad or David or even Scott? Uh, um, they've all got horses that are flying at the moment. Race number four, Peaceful was the favourite for Jack Callaghan and Belinda McCarthy, but the Kevin Pizzuto train and Josh Gallagher-driven roll with Sloy was driven aggressively in the early stages and found the top. She crossed down in front of My Stella Rose with Vignette, or Vinette, sorry, three pegs from the good draw. Peaceful got into a reasonable spot in the early stages when it landed one out, two back with Shira Lee and Eve Crocker in front of it. 27-6 and 29-8 were the first two quarters and um, Roll with Sloy was getting a nice run out in front. The race changed complexion at the cages. Shira Lee tired in the chair. Peaceful got caught up in the traffic. Roll with Sloy kicked away and ran, uh, ran through the third quarter in 27-8. Peaceful ended up shooting back to the inside in the straight looking to save some ground, but the damage had already been done. Roll with Sloy was off and gone for the prize. 27-1 for the final quarter. An overall time of 152-3. Vanette wanted to find the line in the run home. She did a good job at big odds off a soft trip. Harperville finished third after racing on the pegs for Neil Day and Brad Hewitt. Peaceful ended up in fifth but never looked a winning chance from the half. Race number five was the feature event of the night, the Brian Hancock free-for-all over the mile. The favourite in the race was the in-form Mac Da Vinci at 2.30. There was speed early from out wide on the track as Firestorm Red pressed hard early before handing over to Typo as they rolled through a 26-8 first quarter. Braveview Kelly was three marker pegs. Magician got caught wide in the early stages and had no option but to push forward to race outside the leader, while Mac Da Vinci settled last of the five horses in the running line. The second quarter was a slow 29-7, and that just about made it near impossible for Mac Da Vinci to win, while Typo continued to enjoy a charmed run at the head of affairs. 28-5 was still very comfortable for the leader through the third quarter, and it basically became a dash up the straight Mac Da Vinci came to the outside to make his run uninterrupted, but Typo had too much left in reserves and was able to win. Defeating Magician, who ran a cracker outside the leader, Mac Da Vinci stormed home for third. Strong run, but he just can't win races with no mid-race speed. A couple of unlucky runners in the straight. Polly put the kettle on, had nowhere to go. Normally Savage is the line, so forget she went around. Balraj was another one that had excuses in the straight. He had no clear air at a vital time in the straight. He was untested. He's come back in super form since his break. I'd be following him 
in something a bit weaker or even something at the same level. He was he was good last night. Race number six saw Ravishing Sloyd dominate the market at $1.22. He was a surprising omission from the Breeders' Challenge semi-finals, but he looked a bit better than his rivals in this one for Belinda McCarthy and Jack Callaghan. My Ultimate Buddha was driven aggressively in the early stages and found the front before it released Ravishing Sloy, who took the front without too many dramas. Always Be Chaps was three pegs. Ray's Redemption was outside the leader with Major Allegiance on its back. 27-5 through the first quarter. There wasn't a lot of change down the back straight and the speed backed off nicely for those who took the short odds. 30.1, 28-9 through the middle meant the fave had a big kick in the straight. Never looked in any danger as it won comfortably, getting up the straight in 27 seconds. My ultimate Buddha held on for second but was some 7.8 metres away and Major Allegiance was able to grab third. Always be chaps. Didn't get a shot at them in the straight and looked to have something to offer late. Uh, race 7 was the two-year-old Phillies, and Libby Lou started the $1.70 favourite. It began well, but Lover Reshes began better and was able to cross. Bettine tried to lock the door on Libby Lou at that stage, but Blake Fitzpatrick was awake to that. He was able to shoulder his way off the inside to then do the retake off Lover Reshes. All of those early moves meant the first quarter was strong at 27-1. A lot of loving was three pegs. Bettine was outside the leader with amazing grace in the 1-1. 30.8 was the second quarter. There wasn't a lot to report in terms of moves. It was only turning for home that Blake Fitzpatrick asked the leader to sprint away. 28.5 was the third quarter. They got up the straight in 26.4. Libby Lou was too strong, won comfortably, recording an 11.3 metre victory. Lover Reshes was able to hang on to second spot. Amazing grace for Steph Morrison. Ross Adams finished third. No unlucky runners to report in that one. The winner was just far too good. Uh, race 8, Alter Orlando was the $3.30 favourite, but it was where you've been bopping, charging off the arm to cross its rivals. Roll-up was aggressive as it looked to hold the back, the spot behind the leader, while Bubba Scrub had the option to look for three pegs, but it opted to stay in the running line and end up on the back of Longfellow, who pushed out hard early. Alter Orlando settled third over and looked to be close enough if there was speed in the middle half. 27-4 first quarter followed by a pedestrian 31 seconds to the half and 28-2 round the side made it pretty difficult for anything to run down where you've been bopping. They all fan turning for home. Everyone got their shot in the straight. Rattray did a, or he, he got a nice break on them um, soon entering the straight. Uh, the horse was getting tired late. Roll up was second after racing behind the leader and was taking ground off the winner late. Alter Orlando got home well for third, but never looked a winning chance from the half. Best win of the night. Oh, I think you've got to go extreme C in the three-year-old Eastern Region Breeders' Challenge event. It was set up by a suicidal first quarter, but it proved too good up the long straight. Best beaten effort of the night, Mac Da Vinci. Huge in a final half of 54-7. He made up a huge amount of ground, especially in the straight, and his closing sectionals would make for interesting reading. Best driver of the night, I'm going to go with Sophia Ardvidsson and Dublin Kenner. I keep giving uh, giving it to Sophia. 2,300-metre races can be single file for a long time, but she forced a few hands when she came away from the inside, going past the winning post the first time, got cover, was able to reel off um, you know, double encounter type closing sectionals and win the race. So, driver of the night, Sophia Ardvidsson on double encounter. For a stable to get one horse through to an Inter Dominion Grand Final is a big achievement, but to get two through in the one year is even bigger. And uh, Robbie Morris and Kerry Ann Morris, of course, uh, do a fantastic job with their horses. And Robbie Morris is joining me to have a chat. Hello, Robbie. How are you? Hey, how are you, bud? Mate, really well. Um, big achievement for the stable to get two runners through to an Inter Dominion Grand Final. 
Yeah, it is. It's um, you know, it's a massive team effort. You know, anyone that trains numbers of horses will tell you that you know it's impossible to do just by yourself. So we're very lucky. We've got a really good team around us, and um, you know, because they've done a super job getting them through. Kanina Provlema and Pete said so are the uh, the two horses. Um, Kanina Provlema has been a uh, a really good horse for the stable and and deserves to find itself in an Inter Dominion Grand Final. Yeah, he does. You know, he's been ultra consistent home, at home, and he's. You know, I think the Menangle Racing really seasoned our horses. You know, this New South Wales horses up because it's just so hard and fast. And you know, he's he's just took another step in the last couple of weeks racing these better ones again. So, you know, if he gets a nice little draw, hopefully, and and run a race, but he's done a super job to be there. That's for sure. Uh, Finished third last night behind Better Eclipse. But what have you made of him through the series? How's he cope with the heat? A lot of the trainers up there have been saying that the the humidity's been a, a real energy sapper. Yeah, it has to a certain degree. But, you know, it's obviously, you know, I think these things, you know, we've probably done it right to just have them right before they left. You know, I think you've got to have them rock hard fit before they leave home and then you can just sort of ride the wave the rest of the way. But, yeah, I've been... Really pleased. Kez has done a super job with them. Obviously, I haven't been here all that much at all. I've been flying backwards and forwards. But both both him and Pete said so have handled it really good. And, you know, they're, they're a credit to themselves. So, Kanina Provleva went third on night one, sixth on night two, third on night three. In your opinion, which was the best of the three runs? I, I've got to probably say I think last night was. Um, you know, he... His first, like, night one, I know he, he sat parked, which everyone thought that was a bit, you know, not against the grain for him. But I actually didn't do all that much to get there. He just lobbed there really easy, so he didn't have to open any cylinders up, and they walked at the start. Um, night two, he sort of just got left one three, and it was a walk and sprint. And then last night, you know, to come from back in the field, like he was last at the 700, to come from back in the field like that and come wide and... and sort of make really good ground. I've got to say, I thought last night's run was a super run. What about Pete said so? He, he's he got that gate speed that if he drew well in a final and could hand over to the right horse, he can earn big time. Yeah, he can earn really good. He's um he's just a trooper, old Nigel. He's uh, he's he's done great things for our stable since he arrived, you know, three years ago. And he just got better and better. And Peter Colesford, his owner, um, has been ultra supportive of us and he's always willing to try to have these dreams and, and go after these bigger races and the horse just keeps responding to it. He loves it. So, yeah, look, he, he can get the right draw. If he can get the right helmet, he can earn really good money. Night one, he finished fifth. Then on the Tuesday, you ran second behind Speak the Truth. You beat Swayze on that occasion as well. And then last night, he finished second behind Leap to Fame, which was his best run. Yeah, um... Probably, once again, I probably felt last night was because I had to do a bit more with him than I would normally like to. Like, I had to had to burn him off the gate over the 2680. I had to hold the front for, you know, the first six 700 to wait to leap the fame to get there, which is probably a little bit out of characteristic for him for, for what he normally does. He, he's got good gate speed, but he generally gets the helmet fairly quick. Um, but just tactically and, and points orientated and trying to, capitalise everything, you sort of got to drive them a bit different in these series. So I, I sort of thought last night was good because he done work early and he was super late. Like, you know, it's no mean feat to have Leap to Fame run and put 10 metres on you and then 
held off horses like Can't Find a Better Man and that that are really decent horses. So, um, yeah, I thought last night's run probably capped off his week. I thought both horses, you know, their last night heat runs were really good. Now, knowing you, you will be waiting for the barrier draw. What about a second driver? Does does Kerry Ann come off the bench, or will you look to Josh Gallagher? What when will you make that decision? No, no, that well, Josh probably made that decision. It was me made that decision yesterday morning. He was doing track work, telling me what I had to do and where I had to run. But <laughs> no, Keza, Keza does a super job training them, and um, she loves the training side, and she really enjoys that side of it. But driving wise, I think she's. More than happy for me and Josh. Josh is like family to us, and he's um he's already told me he's an Inter Dominion winning driver, so I've got to put up with that. So um, <laughs> hopefully, I could square up with him because the lunchtime table is getting a bit quiet at the moment. Mate, um, you must be happy. This table's running well while while obviously Kerry's away and you're away. You said you're going back and forth, but you're still not there all the time. You must be happy with how everything's going at home. Yeah, you know, we've um, it's been a different year. You know, we've got a lot of people. To thank a lot of staff, you know, Josh has been outstanding, um, Lizzie Heath, you know, a lot of people, my mum and dad, Chloe Formosa has come on board, done a super job, um, Alicia Bond, Josh's girlfriend helped us for a long time there while we sort of got through the year, so it's been um, it's been a massive team effort throughout the year to have all these horses firing this time of year, and, you know, we can't thank all our owners and, and everyone around us, I'm sure if I miss someone, I'm sorry, but... Uh, we've had a lot of good support from a lot of good people, and yeah, we couldn't ha- couldn't be happier, mate. Just quickly, Funky Monkey um, had the heart fib during the race the other night. Is everything okay there? Yeah, it's back in in rhythm now. It was really disappointing for for all her connections. You know, it's a the harness racing is a great level. You got two horses like Canina Problema and Pete said so, and then her series was cut short by that. But she's pulled up really good. Um, the heart's back to normal now. She's bouncing. She'll have ten days off and maybe, you know, a little bit longer and we'll see if we can get her ready for a few of them bigger races in Menangle around March and maybe even a great Southern Star in February if we can. But, um, yeah, it just wasn't meant to be for her. You know, these tribulations, you know, it's hard. You can blame the weather. You can blame a lot of things. No one can really tell you how or why they come about. But um, it was really unfortunate for her connections, I feel, for them. But, um, not a lot we can do about it. We've just got to look forward now. And the other horse you took to Queensland with you, hands on, um, got a win. Yeah, he did. He won last night. He ran second the week before. He's um he's only new to the stable, but he's a consistent little fella. And, yeah, we've been really pleased with, with how he's come on. So he'll um he'll go around next Saturday night again, I presume, and, and then probably head home with the boys after that. What's the stable's record been like in Inter-Dominions? Have you had many runners? No, no, I don't. I think we have Pete said so ran I think he ran six last year. Yep. Um in Melbourne. Um but before that I don't think we've had one for I think we might have had a trotter some time ago, Son of Iris. That was that was early days. Um but yeah, no bit bit quiet around them sort of races, but it's something that, you know, as any trainer I think that's what makes the series so good because, you know, one off races it all becomes very barrier draw orientated all the time. But when you've got a series of three heats and a final, you know, you've got to be, in my opinion, you've got to be a super trainer to get your horse there. You've got to be a really good driver to maximise points without flattening the horse every night. And the horse has got to be a typical, what we know our standard breads are, you know, just keep turning up and and it's um, it's a great series and it's a culmination of a lot of things coming together. So, you know, it's, it's a... 
it's really good to have two horses that started off 150 to one, probably in the early markets. To both be in the final, um, yeah, we're, we couldn't be happier. For mine, that's why the series is the pinnacle of harness racing in the Southern Hemisphere. The the, the ability of, it, it's not just about the horse, it's about the trainer to pick the horse up for three times in the space of a week, the driver to, to be thinking about, I, I need to keep this horse with something in the tank for, for later in the series. It, it is a, a, a true horseman's event, in my opinion. I, I, I actually, I couldn't agree more with you, you know, that's what, when the format went away from that, I thought it took everything away from the race. I think that's what makes it the pinnacle of our sport is it's not not just about, you know, I, I drew one in a really big race and got the draw. It's a, it's a race where the driver's got to be maximising points without going 100 yards too far or taking off 100 yards too early and, and flattening them. And the, the trainers, you know, we're lucky in this industry. We've got a lot of great trainers, but, you know, just keep picking them up day after day and you know and then the horse well you know that's what I look at Pete said so and I you know I just think of him as you know just a true standard bread it's, it's amazing he comes home he eats his dinner he looks after himself Canada problem is sort of following his footsteps trying to keep up and he's doing a great job you know they look after themselves and you know they don't overtax themselves at home and you know, I think it's the reason why our sport and our horses are why we all love them Mate, congratulations to both you and Kerry and all the team um, getting two through to the final. Good luck next week. Thanks, mate. Thanks for your time. It is the pinnacle of the sport in Australia, the Inter-Dominion Series, and it's great to see when people can qualify a horse for the final. It is an achievement in itself just to get through three gruelling heats and then find yourself in the final racing against some of the best horses in the Southern Hemisphere. Well, Grant Forrest has done that. He's done that with his mare, The Best Bourbon, and uh, Grant's joining me to have a chat. Good morning to you, Grant. How are you? Good, thanks, Greg. How are you? Mate, really well. Congratulations on the achievement. It's a big one to get a horse into an Inter-Dominion final. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, I'm pretty uh, chuffed, I suppose, at the moment that the horse has done a really good job in the first three heats, and uh, quid herself quite well and um, yeah just hopefully uh, she gets a nice barrier draw for the final So the decision to go north and compete in the Inter-Dominion final, when did that come into your mind? I actually sort of had my eye on it um, probably mid-season I suppose uh, I gave her a little break around winter and um, I thought if she could come up all right like she did at the back end of her last prep, uh, that she'd be good enough to go in the series and and actually go quite well. And she's been able to live up to that. Um, you went up and gave her a run prior, and then she was able to also get off the uh, the outside draw in that first round of heat. So you've obviously had a little bit of a plan that y- you were going to get there a little bit early to uh, to get her acclimatised. Yeah, the the weather's obviously completely different up here to cold climate near Canberra. <laughs> uh, so, and she was an R, she was actually an RODM uh, just before I yeah came up. So I got one ticked off at the trials at Menangle. I uh, got another one ticked off uh, at Albion Park, and then um, yeah, she had a run up there as well. So I've been up here for quite a while, but. Um, 
yeah, I, I thought I'd come up and it's been quite sticky. It's very humid up here and you know, it rarely gets over 30 degrees where I am at Mount Ferry and, and uh, yeah, she didn't probably handle the first four or five days while she was up here, but she's um, climatised well and she's racing well at the moment. Well, take us through the three runs. Night one, you ran sixth behind Just Believe, um, taking on one of the best trotters in the world that's been able to compete with the best trotters in the world. Um, were you happy with night one's performance? Yeah, she's, she's not a miler at all. Um, and she'd drawn six in that first heat and she was always going to be in the back half of the field and obviously Just Believe was going to be in the front half of the field. Uh, I would have liked Just Believe to give me a 50-metre head start, <laughs> but that didn't uh, happen. But, um, no, I was, I was very happy with her run. She got to the line really well. She had the second quickest last quarter coming out wide. And, um, yeah, she's just not a miler. So she hit the line really well and she really wasn't too far away from them. Night two was brutal because they, uh, Queen Elida, she got she got mauled in front. Olivici grabbed her on the line. But the best bourbon was, was doing her thing um, and was only 10 or 12 metres behind them when in running fifth. Yeah, that, that distance really suits her. Well, I think anything over 2,200 suits her, but... With Gus putting a fair bit of heat uh, early, suits her down the ground. She prefers when uh, when they're running along at a genuine tempo that she can still run home as quick as she sort of can. Yep. When they go a bit steady in front, every horse can run home the same sectionals as her. Um, but yeah, she she had a fair bit of bad luck. She she lobbed in a really good spot actually, three fence early and. Unfortunately for connections of Funky Monkey, it fibrillated mid-race and it dragged us back to third last in the run, um, where if I was three fence, I reckon she could have actually gone pretty close to, to winning that race, but um, ended up getting dragged back and, and she got to the line really well again. And what about uh, night three, six behind Queen Alita? Um, what did you make of that? Yeah, probably like... I was very happy with her run, uh, considering a few things. They they went real steady up front. They were in single file. She was four or five fence. Um, they've run home in 55, three or something like that. She's run very similar sectionals, and she pulled incredibly hard uh, in the run. Um, I was a bit worried with how hard she pulled. She might have um, not... Ran on, but she ran on really well. Uh, she still hit the line fine, and it took me a bit of a job to pull her up after the race, actually. Why the trotters, mate? You obviously love your trotters. Most of the stable are trotters. What what gets you interested in the, in the square gators? Uh, Dad always had a pretty handy one when I was growing up. Um, classic comment probably kicked that off for us. She won close to 20 races and, and beat something about Mary in a touch of flair, and a few of those good horses and uh, yeah, there's just probably a, a bit of a shift from my point of view, probably five, six years ago, I had Forest Spider who was pretty handy and um, me and my wife moved towards Canberra to be close to the family, but also closer to Menangle for racing and uh, I thought, well, I might as well get a few more trotters and I was lucky enough that Yabby Dam sort of jumped on board and gave me a few broodmares and um, a couple of racehorses and 
yeah, it just sort of went from there. Like my paces, well, they 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 go pretty slow. <laughs> so uh, for some reason, I've had a knack with the trotters, and uh, I do a fair bit of shoeing and and whatever of my horses. So I think that's probably a key ingredient in the trotters. And you mentioned Mount Ferry. What's your setup like? So we've got 170 acres out there. Uh, it is, it, yeah, it's a, it's a nice property. Um, we've been there about five years now, and uh, I've got a thousand metre track on there. I've got swimming facilities, got you know, yard stables, everything. And uh, we've, yeah, we've put a fair bit of work into it over the last five years. We're still not fully finished yet. I'm certain that everything that I sort of want, but um, no, nah, we're we're very happy. We're just not happy with the snow and, <laughs> and the temperatures in winter. If I'd said to you two weeks ago that you were going to qualify for an Inter-Dominion Grand Final, would you say job's done? Uh, not entirely. I I actually, I don't know, I, I'm a little bit optimistic, I suppose, with some of my horses. And I, I, I actually thought, you know, with a touch of luck, she would actually get through. But, you know, once, once we're there, we, we might as well make the most of it and, and see how far we can sort of go. Obviously, um, hopefully, just believe puts a tow rope on and we can, <laughs> we can drag us along. But um, apart from just believe and probably Queen Elida, I reckon she's yeah she's she she's not far off. And I think you know with with a touch of luck and whatever, she can be in the first five anyway. Well, mate, it's a huge achievement to get a runner through to an Inter Dominion Grand Final. We wish you all the best of luck. Do New South Wales proud. Thanks, for that Greg. as they sprint up now the youngsters Miss Ardlethan has gone up fourth and further back in the field into Artful Prince as they just start to break up the back half of the field and here goes the favourite now Ideal Timing has taken over 30.2 it's shot away from them now out of the pack Miss Ardlethan goes up second but it's Ideal Timing the one to catch turns about 10 in front on the turn goes very roughly around that bend almost broke up held together Still coming as Miss Ardlethan. It's ideal timing. Miss Ardlethan closing, then Gingening down the home running. Here's Miss Ardlethan kicking back. Ideal timing, but Miss Ardlethan. Oh, and a salute to the crowd there. Well done. I say it on the show. Every time we see a first-time winner, we like to get them on the show and find out about them and about their involvement in the sport and how they came around to be involved in harness racing. And we had another first-time winner during the week. That was Trent Pillen, who drove his first winner at Young, and he's joining me to have a chat. Hello to you, Trent. How are you? Hi, Greg. Good, thanks. How are you? Really well. Um, mate, congratulations on that first win. Yeah, thanks so much. It was good to get the win on the board. You haven't been driving for all that long, but you have been around in the sport for a little while. Um, why the late start to driving? Yeah, I think um, applied for my licence about 18 months ago. I um, went through the mini trots. Uh, as a younger, younger um, high school boy, and then um, done my apprenticeship as a boiler maker with my father, who's trained horses all his life, and just went to the mining game, which didn't give me enough time to to work horses, basically. And so, in the last eighteen months, have you found that extra time to uh, to, to get involved again? Yeah, uh, yes, Dad and I are working a couple at a time all, all the time, and got a few horses running around. But yeah, it's still uh still hard to get time running your own business as well. The name Pillin has been associated with harness racing for many, many years, and I'm assuming that you you are, you are come from that family. 
Uh, yes, my uh, late grandfather, Alan Pillen, was a trainer driver for uh, many years and uh, my father carried on the, the legacy for over 50 years. He's been driving and training. And so you must have been around the horses. You obviously said you're involved in the mini trots, so you must have been around the, the stables and, and the horses since you were a kid. Yeah, always helped out with the horses when I was a kid. Um, my other grandfather was a driver, so I, I rode horses a lot when I was a kid as well. So always been around the horses in some way or another. And the win on Tuesday night, how did that feel when you hit the line first? Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great feeling. I sort of knew that she was up for the task. We just hadn't had much luck in the last couple of runs. But, um, yeah, she she done well and got there on Tuesday night. There was a little bit of a salute on the line, um, and it looked like you, were, you, you blew a kiss as well. Yeah, the salute was... Uh, was for my uh, two late grandfathers, A.T. Pillen and L.W. Warner, and um, my uncle Ian Ridley, who um, we trained a lot of horses for back in the day. Have you had a, a feeling like that in the sport previously than, than the feeling you had on Tuesday night when you won a race? No, I always um, get a good feeling when you get a horse over the line, but um, actually driving it over the line yourself was a, was a great feeling. Tell us a little bit about the, uh, the filly Missard Lethen. How, how, how did she come about to be in the stable? Uh, Miss Ardleton, we had another good horse that I really enjoyed working with, uh, Four Stars Lil, done a tendon injury, so we were one horse down, I went and looked and I liked Tintin in America and brought this horse that had, had two trials and gave her a bit of a spell and worked her up and she's been working really good, so it's all looking looking like uh, she's going to do a bit for us. She put the riding on the wall with a good second at Griffith, wasn't it? Yeah, a good second at, at Griffith. She um she sat outside the leader there and um yeah, finished her on pretty good there too. What were you thinking at the three hundred the other night when the favourite just slipped away? Did you did you think that um, you'd be able to run it down? Uh well I tapped her up and uh give a bit of a yell and she she started making ground and uh yeah, just rounding the turn I, I had a good feeling thinking that she was gonna be able to do it, yeah. And what did what did your dad Jeff say to you when uh, when you got back into the stables? Uh, yeah, he was pretty happy. He just uh, said congratulations. We finally got there. And what's the plans with Miss with Miss Ardlethan now? Um, she's pulled up pretty good, so we'll um, probably give her another run at late in a week or so, and and uh, see how she goes from there. Whether we give her a little spell after that, or or push on. For, over the Christmas period. How are you juggling your, your work commitments and, and the horses? It, it must be a bit of a battle. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's a bit of a battle running your own business and getting staff and, and working the horses in between. But when you love the sport, you, you do what you've got to do. And how many horses are, are you and your dad working? Uh, at the moment, we're only working her and a, and a yearling. And uh, four stars wheels starting to work up from the injury again. You must be excited to see Four Stars Lil getting back somewhere close then. Uh, yeah, we're hoping she'll she'll make it back. She's, uh, she's been good to us. She, she's a stayer. She's a tryer. So it's hard to come by them ones. Well, mate, it was great to see another person win their first race on uh, on Tuesday night. Um, recently, I've, I've caught up with Talia Johnson. Um, also spoke with young Ned Woodhouse a couple of weeks ago as well. It's always important, mate. Doesn't matter any age, that first winner is a special feeling. We congratulate you on that and all the best of luck in the future. Thanks very much, Greg. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Winning. Hey, that's pretty good. Winner. That was legitness. That I say, all right, all right, all right. Wow, winning. Bam. Let's
like that. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. A winner. Just like that. And the winner is... So, a winner for me and Mr. T last week. Mine paid six sixty. His paid one ten. So having the $10 on each horse each week, I'm in the positive at plus $10, and he is minus $58. Um, my winner last week was Raging Sea at Menangle on Tuesday, which flew from the clouds. This week, Mr. T's decided to get a little bit serious, he tells me. I think it's because he slipped so far away from the lead. So let's see how he goes. In race one at Bathurst on Wednesday night, he's looking for a little bit of value. He's come up with number two, Waikari Wildfire. Good winner at Young at the Carnival of Cups meeting, and Mr. T thinks it continue or can continue on its winning ways. So race one, number two, Waikari Wildfire. He's getting a bit fancy now. In race five at Bathurst on Wednesday, he's tipping a Quinella. Would have thought just trying to find a winner was hard enough for him, but he thinks he can f- get first and second in the fifth. Mr. T is going a one and two Quinella, so special spin is drawn in one, caught on the edge is drawn in two. Let's see how he goes this week and whether he can cut into the big lead. I've got on him now. I'm going to go to Canberra on Monday night, technically outside of the New South Wales jurisdiction, but I'm going to go with Ahana Dancer. One on Thursday night when it competed in a an up to 47 event at Penrith that led throughout on that occasion, was never in any danger at it all gets into this 45 and uh, up as a 54 and should take a lot of beating. So race two, number three, Ohana Dancer at Canberra on Monday. And I'm going to try and swing for the fences with this next one and put Mr. T well and truly out of play. In the Menangle Express a couple of weeks ago, I highlighted Philandering Chef hitting the line okay, and I thought it would be worth following. I actually said that during that segment. Um, I thought it might be able to pinch a win on a country track, but Dennis Day's decided to come back to Menanga with him, so I'm going to throw him in as my second tip of the week. Race four, number two, Philandering Chef at Menangle on Tuesday at juicy odds to put me so far out in front of Mr. T that he'll be out of play. Quick fantasy update. Congrats to Champo71, who has taken a big lead in the fantasy harness racing after two weeks. Won the week as well with 984 points in front of Peter and Will Norman. They're on 936. Now, overall, Champo71 leads on 1,878 with the Raven in second on 1,795. So a fair lead already to Champo. I had Will Norman on the show a couple of weeks ago. He's lurking already. He's into sixth spot on 1,777. I've dropped all the way down to 60th after a poor week two. Made some bad trades. I got rid of Blake Jones after a quiet week one, and that came back to haunt me. I think I might be trading Cam Hart out this week. He won't be at home for a lot. Um, he's got a trip to Perth on Friday, Brisbane as well on Saturday, so... There'll be no Robbie or Josh by the sounds of the interview I did with Robbie earlier next Saturday night. So a few big decisions need to be made. Might try and get Will Norman on the podcast next week to have a chat to him about how he has found the opening couple of weeks. So that's the fantasy update. Um, That just about wraps up the podcast for another week. Huge show this week, and it's gone for quite a lengthy time. I hope we've still got everyone with us. A big thank you to Blake Fitzpatrick, Brad Hewitt, Grant Forrest, Robbie Morris, um, and also Trent Pillen. Don't forget, reach out to me on social media if you see someone winning their first race. I watch all the races, have a look at the results. I've got a few helpers out there spotting first-time winners for me. But if you know of someone who has had their first win in the state, reach out, tell me about it, and I'm happy to get to their, uh, to get them on the podcast to have a chat. Have a great week. Hope you've enjoyed it, and I'll be back next week to do the Sunday session all again. 